Good Friday. It's a powerful Friday. It's a powerful message that we're talking about. It's the message of the cross. Who's thankful in your life right now for Jesus and the cross? Come on, who's thankful? I was sitting at home today studying for this message, and I was just thinking about that. Good Friday, today's the day. Today is the day we remember you, God. And not that we don't every day, but today marks the day 2,000 years ago when you hung on that cross for us. And we're going to be taking communion later on as the service progresses tonight after I talk at you a little bit. But it's a heavy day. It's a special day. And I was thinking of all the things that I'm thankful for, the reason I have to be grateful all the stupid things that I do that I am so grateful that Jesus went to that cross to forgive me of. Anybody? You know you, right? You know what you do. <laughs> you know the thoughts you think, the words that come out of your mouth, the past that you have. And Good Friday rolls around, and we're thankful that Jesus died to put all of that stuff to death for us. Amen? Amen? So today is a heavy night. It's a heavy, heavy service. And um, this is the day that love got real. This is the day that God, who said he loved this world so much and that he had been having a history with his people, the Jewish people, for a long, long time and teaching them to be holy as he is holy and obey laws and go to temple and make sacrifices for sins and kind of got to the point where we couldn't pull it off our end of the deal. So he came up with a new plan. He said, man, I love those people so much. They're having a hard time living by my standards. So I'm going to do the unthinkable sent my own kid down there. He's grown up. He's about 30 years old now. He's 33 years old. And now it's going to come time for my love to really be proven. He put the love in action. But I think about this, allowing his only son to be murdered on a cross. And just the, the ridicule that he had to go through, the false accusations. You know what he was, he was actually killed for? Was claiming to be the son of God, which he literally was. Right? They accused him of all of this stuff. He went and died a criminal's death, but along the way, they made fun of him. They whipped him. They stripped him. They put thorns into his flesh, punched him in the face, spit in his face, put nails in his hands, his feet. And he had to die a criminal's cross, a criminal's death up on that cross. And in thinking all about that, I'm reminded that this is a, this is a good Friday, the fact that what happened three days later, we could look back and say that, but at the time it was heavy. Isaiah describes this time, this event, about 700 years before Jesus arrived on the scene, he prophesied, God said, speak about what's going to happen someday to the Messiah. He said in Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. Put your name in there. It's my sins. It's Carl's sins. He took the punishment and he made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. The fact that he was broken so that we could become fixed. It says, we are all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all of our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. See, the fact of the matter today on Good Friday is that we don't deserve relationship with God. We don't deserve saving. We don't deserve heaven. We deserve hell because of our sin and our going our own way. We cannot be perfect and holy as God is perfect. So therefore, we deserve to go our own path and to go to hell. But the awesome thing is God said, I love you enough, and I think you're worth dying for. Jesus said, I love them enough, Father, that as much as this is going to be hard and if there's any way to take this cup of suffering away from me, 
but you know what? I know what's at stake here. Your will be done, and I love those people. So let's do this. That Jesus thought you were worth dying for. And let's be honest, we're not worth it, right? We, we look at ourselves, we know ourselves, and we, we say the wrong thing, we think the wrong thoughts, we, we hurt people around us, we're selfish, we're lazy, and I know I don't deserve the love of Jesus, I don't deserve the cross. Today, I was sitting in my, my office, which at home, if any of you guys know me, is my garage. That's where I study for my servants. I, I sit in there with all my, my surfboards and my bike and all the, you know, the laundry and everything, and I'm sitting there in my garage, and I'm studying for the sermon, and I got a lot going on. I, I think I'm preaching something like seven times this whole weekend or whatever, and I'm just thinking, man, this is busy. I got to answer all these emails. I got to study for all this, but when I opened my garage door, because that's how I study, just looking out, it was such a beautiful day in Kailua today. You know what came into my head? Man, today is a good Friday to go surfing. <laughs> and all of my commitments and all of my busyness and all of writing this sermon and things on the week of the, the Easter sermon tomorrow and on Sunday, all was, I was so tempted to be so selfish and lazy as to just go out and spend the day at the beach. You guys would have been bummed. I would have been up here just praying for 20 minutes if I didn't prepare tonight. But here's what I know about myself. Man, I have a tendency to do dumb things to do things that are not beneficial for my life or that honor God, and I'm thankful for that cross because when we understand that we don't deserve it, but he thought we deserve it, man, that cross that we look at, it equals love. It equals forgiveness. Amen. It equals healing. It equals all of the amazing plans that God has bestowed on our lives, freedom from sin and relationship with a good father, and all of that make today a good, good Friday. Amen? We should write a song about it because there's one similar. It's a good, good Friday. It's who we are, right? That's my idea for a song. But today, today is an amazing day. And the reality of the matter is this, and this is what I want to talk to you guys about tonight. On that actual first Good Friday, it wasn't a good Friday for all of Jesus' friends and his followers and his disciples. It was a terrible day. Nothing got good until three days later on Sunday morning. As much as he had warned them that this had to happen, they didn't get it. They were devastated. They were crushed. Why? Because they were thinking, this is the man. This is Jesus. He's done the miracles. He speaks the words of God. He does things that nobody else can do. Uh, blind people can see. Dead people are raised to life. He multiplied food to over 5,000 men at that, at that, seated at that one place on the hillside, plus women and children. He's done miracles that everybody has seen, and they're all thinking, he is fulfilling all of the prophecies spoken about him by our prophets every week when we go to temple and we hear about what God has prophesied about the Messiah. This is the guy. And so they were longing for something better. They were longing for Jesus was going to be the king of kings, upset, overturn, overthrow the Roman government, the Jew, Jewish people, God's people were going to rise up, justice, freedom, a new way of life, new power. And then Jesus is arrested to be crucified. And all that they were longing for came crashing down on them. It says that on the night that they went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he was arrested at this moment, Matthew 26, 56 says, all of his disciples deserted and fled. All of his followers and closest friends, think about that, all of the people, not just the 12, but all the people he, that were they're his friends, not only that, but the thousands of people that had received healings that they knew, they saw that this was a man of power. Some of them that followed him, they're like, I got a free meal out of this. I saw there was only a couple of fish, a couple of loaves of bread. He multiplied, that's crazy. I ate a miracle. My brother-in-law over there, he was blind. He was one of the blind men that Jesus healed. I know the guy in my city or that kid that Jesus brought back from the dead. There was thousands of people that are like, 
this guy is the man, and they followed. But it says, when he was arrested, all that they were hoping and longing for came crashing down, and all of them deserted him and fled. That's heavy. That's heavy to me. That basically breakthrough, the resurrection, was just days away. Right around the corner, the resurrection was going to happen. He was going to fulfill all that they were longing for. But you know what happened? They all threw in the towel. They all gave up, and they felt like God had let them down. And so what I want to talk about tonight is that feeling, the feeling of longing for something better, because I believe all of us in our lives, we're longing for things. We've got things that we feel like God has promised, but God has promised good things to his kids. He's a good father, but some of them just don't seem to be working out. And some of us are like those disciples. We've given up on God. We've given up because we were longing for something, and whatever's happened, we used to hold on and hope and and pray for our marriage to get fixed because we've been through bumps and bruises, and we're holding out for the healing. But guess what? What we're longing for, for whatever reason, just got into an argument or something, and now we're giving up on that marriage ever getting fixed. Some people that are single are are hoping, longing, and praying for for the right man or woman to come along. But something just kind of happened. Your heart got broken, and you're not even going to try anymore because you just don't think it's possible anymore. The hopes that you had for your career, for your job, for the promotion just fell through because for whatever reason, you got transferred to a new department or something. And you know what? You're going to stop even trying to get that raise. Stop trying for that promotion. Stop trying for that career dream that God gave you because it looks like everything's over. See, tonight I want to talk about that feeling of, of what it feels like to be longing for something better and everything's kind of falling apart on you. See, when I read the story about the disciples, here's what I think. This is really interesting. What if all of Jesus' followers had actually held on? What if when Friday rolled around and they saw him dead up there, they actually decided, nah, you know what, it's not over, the story's not over, we're gonna, we're gonna hold on. Because the reality is they all left, they all fled. Not just the 12, but like I said, the thousands that were following Jesus and seeing that he was doing. That Friday afternoon, Friday evening, all day Saturday until early Sunday morning, that there was people full of despair and crushed, dreams were gone and all that they'd been longing for was over. And yet, what if they would have held on? This is, this is, what, this is what's interesting in, in the Bible, is that, like I said, while Jesus was alive, three years of miraculous ministry, thousands of people followed him. The night he was arrested, everybody left him, even his inner circle, zero, everybody left him. And then three days later, he rises from the dead, did what no one around, they've never seen anybody else say, hey, by the way, I'm gonna die and then I'm gonna come back to life. Jesus pulled it off. They should have been blowing their minds. The, the 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead until when he actually ascended back up into heaven, he was there just to prove to people that it really happened. He walked around this earth, he hung out with people. But in that time, 40 days later when he ascended to heaven and said, hey, hang around, stick to the mission. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit who's gonna be in every one of you and empower you to go out there and change the world. 10 days later when the Holy Spirit came, after Jesus died and rose from the dead, listen to this. There was only 120 people that were believers that were gathered in one upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. From thousands of followers to only 120 people. The, the, the Christian movement got started with 120 people filled with the Holy Spirit that went out there and did things for God. But here's the question that I asked myself. What if all of his followers and friends would have held on to what they were longing for? There would have been thousands, possibly tens of thousands of people that received the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and that would have been huge, and that would have been powerful. Now, I'm not discrediting what God did with a few people in the movement he started, 
But I asked myself, what happened to all of those other people that were longing to see what they were hoping for fulfilled? Some of them might have come in a little bit later and found their way into the church, but what about all of those people that didn't find their way because they gave up too early? And what I want to talk about tonight is about not missing out on what God has promised you, on the longing that you have in your life. And like these disciples were heartbroken, and they, they found the truth a few days later. Let's talk about that a little bit. I just want to talk about two things tonight, and we're going to take communion. It's going to have some worship, and it's going to be good. But two things about how to not only survive when things kind of come crashing down in your life, the things you're longing for don't look like they're going to take shape. Not only survive, but also how to thrive in those times. And Jesus gave us some examples. And, and by doing so, it's really these two simple things is we have to do, as Jesus talked about that, is do all that is possible and then to trust the God of the impossible. First of all, we got to put out a little effort to develop godly habits. Like Jesus taught us about this stuff. He basically said, hey, to keep you on point, even when things get, get, get terrible and they're crashing down, hey, do this. And he taught constantly in his life about prayer. He talked about fasting, turning down the volume of the world so you can listen and turn up the volume of God. He talked about studying the word of God because it's going to keep you on track and it's going to keep you in line with where he's leading you so you're not going to fall away when what you're longing for comes crashing down. He talked about doing the other God stuff, solitude, time alone with God. That was precious to Jesus. If you read in the scripture, there was many times when he broke away from the crowd so he could get alone with the Father and he could refresh himself and stay focused. He talked about serving others. He talked about worship, basically doing all that you can, all that is possible to keep you from falling when what you're longing for is kind of in invisible at the time. Find training partners. See, part of it, I think, that the disciples got right was they stuck together. When things got hard, they stuck together. Even when, when he was at the cross, they found each other and they were, they were partnered up together, finding strength in one another. And God's saying, do all that you possibly can to stand strong in these times. I know for me, even in the practical level is, lately I've been getting out to the beach a lot more. I've been surfing a lot more. And I love it. Man, I'm, I'm happier. I'm healthier. I'm feeling stronger. I'm tanner. Tanner is a word, right? I'm tanner. And it's been good for me. But I got to tell you, it's not from me alone. It's from me doing the right stuff, hanging out with the right people that are saying, Carl, come on, get off the couch, put down the remote, let's go surfing, let's go surfing, right? And what's good for me is I've got training partners that are training me for health and keeping me healthy. And I think Jesus said, hey, stay in fellowship with the other believers. Get strong. Do all that you can. Do all that is possible for you. That's why we value connect groups so much and going to church. Let me read you a story about doing all that you can and doing all that is possible in your own strength. There's a, there's a story of a guy named Michael in this book I've been reading by Pastor Wayne Cadero. It's called Leading on Empty. But he writes of this guy named Michael that had been involved in a serious accident. Listen to this. This guy Michael had fallen 60 feet from a communications tower, 60 feet to the ground. After 18 hours of surgery, months of intensive care, Michael was released from the hospital with rods in his back. His friend asked him later about the incident. Hey, weren't you scared? Yes, but the paramedics were great. They kept telling me that I was going to be fine. But when they wheeled me into the emergency room, I saw the expression on the faces of the doctors. Then I really got scared. Their eyes said, this one's a dead man. And when I saw that, I knew I needed to take action. The friend said, so what did you do? Well, he said, you know those nurses shout out questions to you even though you're in pain? Yeah, I know. Well, the nurse asked me, are you allergic to anything? Yes, I replied, I am. They said, you are? What are you allergic to? Gravity, I said. <laughs> Over their laughter, 
I told them, listen, I'm choosing to live right now. So operate on me as if you are operating on a man who is alive, not a man who is dead. That he said, do all that is possible in your strength to save my life. And see, here's the thing is that Jesus taught us how to survive in, in these times when our longings aren't fulfilled. Keep doing the God stuff. Just keep doing all that you possibly can. But here's the second thing that's more important is you got to trust God with the impossible. You can do all that's possible for you, but you got to let God come in and do the impossible. Jesus said in John 20, 29, you believe because you have seen me. Some, he did some miracles, and people are like, wow, I believe in you. You're the son of God. But he said, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. What he's saying here is you do all that you can, but on the other side, you better have faith. The faith is important. Develop faith for the impossible. Trust to God what only he can do. Ask the Holy Spirit daily to do his thing in your life because you can only do so much. I read a study today that said 66% of Americans, they did this study across America. It's not all Christians, Christians, non-Christians, everybody, slice of life. 66% of Americans believe in supernatural healing. See, we're always under the assumption that like, oh, it's hard to have faith in God and no one else does and my friends don't want to believe. The reality is 66% of America believes that you need to have faith in something that is bigger and more powerful than you and they believe that supernatural healing is possible. In fact, 27% of Americans say something miraculous has personally happened to them because of faith in a God that's bigger than them. That's incredible. That shows the importance of that we have to have of faith. And I believe these are the things that could, that could have helped the disciples get through this time a little bit easier, and we wouldn't have lost the, all those thousands of followers if they would have just had faith that Jesus actually could do what he said he could do. They, they could believe and trust in a God of the impossible. Let me tell you a story we told in service a couple weeks ago, the story of our, our friend Gideon, baby Gideon Green. At 10 months old, he had already survived a miraculous birth, and that's another story in itself. But at 10 months old, his family was getting ready to, to PCS out of here, their military, and they had orders to go somewhere else in the mainland. And little baby Gideon, 10 months old, came down with pneumonia, which led to some crazy health problems and complications. They took him into the hospital. Long story short, he stopped breathing, and his heart stopped beating for 15 minutes. 10-month-old baby. Now, things are pretty grim, looking grim. Not sure if they're going to bring him back. He, he went code blue. They had chest compressions, pressure on him, everything they could do, but he had no heartbeat for 15 minutes. And in the midst of it, as he's lying there in the hospital, doctors are thinking what they're thinking. Man, there's no way he's going to survive. 15 minutes, he's gone. But even if he does, there's going to be probable, probable brain damage, organ damage. There's going to be some stuff. that Nobody does this. This is not healthy. This is not good for anybody, let alone a 10-month-old baby. Here's the point I'm trying to make. There's a point where only we can do so much that's possible for us. At some point, we have to believe in a God that does the impossible. And so in that hospital room, Gideon's parents and Pastor Tammy and whoever else was in there began to pray and to cry out to a God of the impossible. God, we've done all that we can do possibly. Now it's up to you. And they began to rebuke death and rebuke sickness and disease and, and the enemy's hand in his life. And they began to speak life into him and healing. And guess what? After 15 minutes, Gideon came back to life. Well, now there's a danger. Oh, but he's, he's going to be brain dead or he's going to have liver damage or organ damage or all of this stuff. Well, I can happily tell you, I don't know how many weeks ago that was, but Gideon is 100% perfectly fine. This is him three days ago at the beach. Can we just show you that? How's that? 
And not only that, but he's here with us tonight, isn't he? He's right back there in the back. And he is a living testament to the power of an impossible God. Isn't that cool? So here's what I want to say for you tonight on this, in this Good Friday message is don't give up what you've been longing for. Don't give up on the dreams that God has given you. Don't throw in the towel. Don't call it quits when it looks impossible like the disciples did because God is in the business of powerful comebacks. He's in the business of miracles. He's in the business of breakthroughs. And it may be just days away from where you're at now, right around the corner. Hold on to Jesus. He died on the cross so that we could have that kind of power in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray, and then we're going to go into some communion, some time of worship. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your miracles. We thank you for the cross that made it all possible. We thank you that you would die for us and we did not deserve anything from you. Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace and your forgiveness and no judgment. You're just here to help us and bless us. And Lord, tonight as we're praying, there may be some people that came in here tonight. Lord, a lot of us know you already and we're living the life and we know the goodness of you and we're just, we're trying every day to do our best and do all that's possible to serve you and we're relying on the God of the impossible. But Lord, there's a lot of us that, that aren't super familiar with you, but we like what we hear tonight and we're maybe ready to make a decision to take a step towards you. I wanna say a prayer with you right up front. I'm just gonna say this. As our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I wanna be able to lead some of you in a prayer here tonight to walk you one step closer to a God that created you and loves you. He thought you were worth sending his own son to die for, to take upon him all of your sin so that you could be set free and have a relationship with him for eternity. So I want to say a prayer with some of you here tonight. You're ready to take that first step towards, towards Jesus and really understanding what Easter and Good Friday is really all about. Just take a chance, a step of faith to say, God, if you're real, I want you in my life and I want to see what you could possibly do to, to give me the things that I'm longing for and to change my life. So I want to say a prayer with some of you that would maybe that's the prayer of your heart tonight. Maybe some of you, You've been away from God for a long time and this is your first time back at church in a while and you know how good he is. Maybe you once had a relationship with him but you've slipped away, you've stepped away. You know it wasn't him, it was you and you own that tonight and you're at a point where you're ready to say, God, if you'll have me, I wanna come back. You need to know that that answer is absolutely yes, that the Father's been waiting for you to come back to him. So if either of those scenarios is you, first time coming to Jesus or coming back after a long time, I'd love to say a prayer with you right now. This is what we're gonna do. I'm not gonna embarrass you, make you do anything in public. I'm just gonna say this. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer out loud with my words, but I want you to connect your heart to my words to God, that you would just quietly under your breath pray along with me in your heart of hearts the words that I'm gonna say out loud and God will hear you. He'll do something powerful in your life as you do that. But before we pray, with every eye closed and head bowed, if you want to say that prayer with me, I'm going to ask you one thing, and that's just simply with no one looking, just me, you'd raise your hand and say, Pastor Carl, I want to pray that right now. Would you raise your hand and hold it up until I acknowledge you? I see you here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I'm looking around. 19. Someone else back there. Thank you, Father God. It's about 19. Oh, 20. Someone else right there, too. Praise God. If I didn't see you, don't worry. God saw you. Put your hands down. I just like to acknowledge it because I get excited about that. I get excited when people are finding Jesus for the first time. So Lord, with all the people that raise their hands right now, would you just pray in your heart of hearts to God the words I'm going to say. God, I'm here tonight and I recognize that I need you. 
Lord, I recognize that you are the answer. Lord, and this is brand new to me, but I believe that you are a mighty God that loves me, that created me, and you have a plan for my life, and you can fix up the broken areas, and Lord, I need some fixing. So God, I'm here tonight. I'm giving you my heart, giving you my life, saying from this day forward, I'm gonna follow you. I believe, God, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me to take the price of all of my sin and my just going my own way. Lord, that, that he died so that I could live. And Lord, right now I surrender all of my life and I believe, Lord, not only was there a cross, but there was an empty tomb. That you overcame death itself, proving that you overcame sin and death and, and, and wrongdoing in my life, Lord. And I can put my trust in you that when I die, I get to live with you forever in heaven. So Lord, everything that you have planned for me right now, my answer is yes. I promise, Lord, to read, read a Bible, to get a Bible and start reading it, to know about you. Start praying and talking to you, that you would talk back to me. Lord, that I would go to church and be around your family. Lord, that I'd get water baptized as a symbol of just being a new creation and my sin being washed away. Lord, fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit to make the changes in my life that I can't do on my own. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for allowing me to come into your family this evening on this Good Friday, 2017. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Can we praise God for those people right now? Amen. Amen.